Welcome to Creative Biolabs, we offer custom contract research services and products, covering the entire process of CAR T-cell therapy development. In this brand new podcast series, we will show you everything you want to know about CAR T-therapy, including the mechanism, current applications, technology limitations, and potential strategies. Hope you will enjoy it. Dear friends in the audience, you are welcome to listen to our program on time every Saturday night. Our guest today is Dr. William Smith, the journal editor in the field of immunotherapy. Would you say hello to our audience, Dr. William? Good evening, all dear followers of this podcast. Good evening, Beth. It is quite nice to see you again. Thank you for your invitation. I'm very excited to be here. Having learned the basic information about various aspects of CAR T-cells, we could present some clinical applications of CAR T-cell therapy. For example, cure rates for childhood acute leukemia have improved dramatically over the past few decades. However, leukemia remains the leading cause of death from childhood cancer due to its easy relapse and high drug resistance. Therefore, there is a need to develop novel therapeutic approaches and innovative strategies capable of killing refractory leukemia cells. So, can CARDI cell therapy bring hope to childhood leukemia patients? What difficulties and challenges does this therapy face? Are there strategies to improve the efficacy of CAR T cell therapy? I believe Dr. William will bring us the answers. Now, let's begin with the first question Why have researchers focused on CAR T cell therapy? This is undoubted because traditional treatment methods are not sufficient to achieve the desired therapeutic effect. As you mentioned, patients with relapsed and refractory leukemia constitute a challenging subgroup of the pediatric leukemia population. The reason is that this highly drug-resistant disease is often accompanied by underlying organ dysfunction. More specifically, although unconventional chemotherapy combinations with non-overlapping toxicities are currently being tested, each subsequent relapse makes achieving and maintaining remission more difficult, resulting in poor long-term survival. As life science research continues to advance, some novel laboratory techniques provide new insights into the mechanisms of relapse and leukemia cell evolution. Some of the strategies currently being investigated for the treatment of relapsed acute lymphoblastic leukemia include newer formulations of the older drug, antibody-based therapies, and molecularly targeted agents. Whole genome sequencing enables the transcriptional profiles of the leukemia cell to be characterized. This facilitates targeted therapy and makes precision medicine less out of reach. In this rapidly evolving race for better and non-toxic treatments, chimeric antigen receptors are defining the role of immunotherapy in childhood leukemia. What characteristics should an ideal target antigen for particular chimeric antigen receptors have? First, it should be expressed homogeneously on the surface of all cells of the target malignancy, as chimeric antigen receptors cannot recognize intracellular antigens. Secondly, an ideal target antigen should not be expressed on normal cells or only one depleted cell type, nor does it enter the circulation. Finally, it is supposed to be essential for the growth or survival of cancer cells and therefore not easily lost under selective pressure. A proper tumor-specific antigen requires a cell surface molecule specific to the malignancy either by mutation resulting in a conformational change or by a fusion protein or altered expression. I see. Currently, are there suitable antigens that can be used as targets for CR-modified T-cells? Yeah. 
For example, CD19 is a tumor-associated antigen that is expressed throughout B-cell development up to the plasma cell stage and is uniformly expressed on nearly all B-cell malignancies. CD19 represents an excellent target for CAR-modified T-cells because of expression on a single cell line whose function can be replaced and given that patients can tolerate prolonged B-cell aplasia. CD22 is another B-cell-specific surface molecule under investigation. In contrast, a significant challenge is T-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia and myeloid leukemia. In T-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia, the neoplastic cells express the same antigens as normal T-cells. And, unlike B-cells, T-cell aplasia is not tolerated and not easily treatable. For myeloid leukemias, similarly, the currently known repertoire of cell surface antigens is very limited. These antigens are unique to the neoplastic myeloid clone, but protect normal hematopoietic cells. In such cases, CAR therapy for acute myeloid leukemia has the potential to be myelotoxic. Time-limited expression or replacement of hematopoiesis with allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation is therefore required. We have talked a lot about the target antigen. Now, let's go back to the CAR-T therapy for leukemia. Could you share more about the therapeutic effect of CAR-T cells in pediatric acute lymphoblastic leukemia? The emergence of CAR-T therapy for leukemia has greatly changed the plight of children with relapsed or refractory diseases. The clinical trial of CAR-modified T-cells directed by CD19 has achieved unprecedented early success. This laid a foundation for further exploring the therapeutic potential of CAR-T cells in acute lymphoblastic leukemia and targeting immunotherapy. According to some initial studies, CAR-T therapy has a significant effect on a small number of patients with a disease that was chemotherapy refractory and considered incurable. This was subsequently confirmed by larger studies, which reported complete remission rates of 70 to 90 percent. In addition, some researchers believe that the high complete remission rates with a CD19 CAR focus on providing a bridge for the ultimate curative therapy of allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation. It sounds very inspiring. So, is CAR-T therapy an effective strategy for acute myeloid leukemia? Indeed, leukemic blasts of acute myeloid leukemia express many cell surface molecules that may be attractive targets for CAR-directed therapy. However, the ubiquitous expression of these antigens on normal hematopoietic progenitors and stem cells becomes a hindrance. CAR-T therapy targeting currently known targets in acute myeloid leukemia may result in persistent suppression of marrow progenitors, which will lead to bone marrow aplasia unless active T-cells can be eliminated. And, this is different from CAR-directed therapy for B-acute lymphoblastic leukemia, wherein the consequences of long-term B-cell aplasia can be controlled by immunoglobulin administration. CD123 is one of the targets under scrutiny. In xenograft mouse models of acute myeloid leukemia, CD123 CAR preclinical studies have demonstrated the eradication of normal myelopoiesis. However, this on-target or non-tumor toxicity can be considered a potential novel application of CD123 CAR as a chemotherapy-free myeloablative conditioning regimen for hematopoietic cell transplantation. Additionally, 
cars with inbuilt mechanisms for limiting expression, suicide genes, or the use of combinations of cars with Boolean properties to modulate T-cell receptor signaling to limit toxicity also need to be considered. As I have learned, the major limiting adverse events caused by CAR T-cell therapies include neurotoxicity and cytokine release syndrome. Maybe you can elaborate a bit more on this aspect? Sure. We all know that the proliferation and persistence of CAR T-cells in vivo are ideal for engineered cell therapy infusions. However, the powerful inflammatory response associated with the exponential multiplication of activated cells stimulates a significant increase in cytokine levels. The clinical syndrome resulting from this phenomenon becomes cytokine release syndrome. This syndrome is not unique to CAR T-cells and can be seen in other T-cell-engaging therapies, such as bispecific T-cell-engaging antibodies. Moreover, cytokine release syndrome can be associated with many characteristics of macrophage activation syndrome. The most common and severe toxicity associated with CD19-directed CAR T-cells is precisely cytokine release syndrome. Data from many studies suggest a correlation between the development of cytokine release syndrome and efficacy. However, the degree of cytokine release syndrome does not predict response to therapy. Notably, it has been found that the severity of cytokine release syndrome is correlate with the disease burden at the time of CAR T-cell infusion. That is truly an obstacle. What are the clinical symptoms of cytokine release syndrome? Clinical symptoms of cytokine release syndrome range from mild headaches, myalgias, and fevers to severe inflammatory syndromes including vascular leak, hypotension, shock, pulmonary edema, and coagulopathy leading to multi-organ failure. A case of death after blanatumumab associated with cytokine release syndrome was recently reported. Are there criteria used to evaluate cytokine release syndrome? There are no well-established standards for grading cytokine release syndrome being established. Many systems have not been systematized across CAR therapy trials. This is due to the appreciation that the common terminology criteria for adverse events grading for cytokine release syndrome is more relevant to treatment with monoclonal antibodies instead of T-cell-based immunotherapies. Cytokine release syndrome is graded according to the presence of fevers, key clinical events such as hypotension and hypoxia, as well as other organ dysfunctions. These dysfunctions can be seen in the context of elevated characteristic cytokines. In addition, neurologic toxicities such as mental status changes, aphasia, and seizures may need to be graded separately or combined into the grading scale of cytokine release syndrome. You just mentioned that it is possible to detect levels of characteristic cytokines. Like what cytokines? Actually, it is feasible to measure the elevation of cytokines just in most patients. This is because some patients exhibit symptoms without a significant increase in cytokine levels, while some have laboratory results that are disproportionate to clinical symptoms. Several groups show consistently raised levels of acute phase reactants, such as C-reactive protein, ferritin, lactate dehydrogenase, and transaminases. In addition, there are elevations in levels of biomarkers, such as interleukins, interferon gamma, soluble GP-130, macrophage inflammatory protein 1-alpha and 1-beta. In general, these elevations correlate well with the degree of cytokine release syndrome, but they are not predictive of cytokine release syndrome. 
Notably, cytokine-directed approaches for managing cytokine release syndrome may be limited by the potential to suppress T-cell activity and thus compromise clinical efficacy. There must be interventions to limit cytokine release syndrome, I guess. What's notable in this regard? The benefit of accelerated T-cell proliferation must be weighed against the risk of loss of activated T-cell efficacy or persistence. This is why the management of cytokine release syndromes is challenging. Suppressing immune activation is the obvious choice. However, blunting the intended cytotoxic response of CAR T-cells is not good enough. Steroids are known to negatively affect the proliferation of therapeutic T-cells. Therefore, steroid therapy in treating cytokine release syndrome needs to be avoided after CAR T-cell therapy. This means that it may be worthwhile to directly target elevated cytokines as a potential management tool. So, what are the cytokines that need to be mentioned here? During cytokine release syndrome, the most significantly elevated cytokines included interleukin-10, interleukin-6, and interferon-gamma. Interleukin-10 is a negative regulator, and interferon-gamma is an effective cytokine released by activated T-cells and may be required for therapeutic efficacy. Therefore, they may all be poor targets for toxicity management. In contrast, interleukin-6 is not thought to be required for T-cell efficacy. Combining this reason, interleukin-6 blockade with tocilizumab has been found to effectively reverse life-threatening cytokine release syndrome without compromising the efficacy of T-cell engaging therapies. Early observations suggested that there may be abnormalities in standard laboratory tests. But in predicting the severity of cytokine release syndrome, the researchers performed a large comprehensive analysis of the clinical and biological manifestations of cytokine release syndrome after CAR T-cell therapy. Multiple predictive models with sensitivities and specificities exceeding 85-90% to 90 indicated more credence in the elevations of interferon gamma, interleukin-10, soluble GP-130, and macrophage inflammatory protein 1-alpha. I think our audience has understood the mechanism of cytokine release syndrome. Let's move on to the next part, neurotoxicity, another major limiting adverse event of CAR-T therapy. Well, neurotoxicity has been reported after T-cell-engaging therapies, including CD19 and CD22-directed CAR-T therapies. Neurologic symptoms have been reported to include headaches, delirium, global encephalopathy, and even seizures. In general, post-CAR T-cell encephalopathy is transient and self-limited, disappearing after a few days with no apparent sequelae. Anyway, larger, longer-term follow-up studies are needed to better characterize the CAR T-cell-associated pathophysiology and spectrum of neurotoxicity. Of course. Although CAR T-cell therapy is changing the landscape of childhood refractory or relapsed leukemias, it must admit that it also brings some clinical challenges. So, what kind of challenges? Relapse after CAR T-cell therapy has always been a challenge. There are two forms of relapse, the reappearance of CD19-positive disease and the emergence of a CD19-negative clone. Disease relapse in CD19-positive disease most likely reflects poor CAR T-cell persistence or suboptimal CAR T-function for another cause. 
Fortunately, with the optimization of future car designs and improvements in current manufacturing processes, including the assessment of the most efficient costimulatory domains, both conditions are likely to be prevented. Thank you for your explanation, so much for today's talk. In the near future, we hope to see results from trials successfully expanding CAR-T therapy to diseases, such as multiple myeloma and acute myeloid leukemia. Thanks for your sharing, Dr. Smith, it was nice talking to you. So, I guess we will end here, and hope you and our audience have a great day. Thank you very much.